This is Pastor Eric. Thanks so much for checking out our Life Church podcast. We pray that it's a blessing to you. For more information about Life Church, check us out at lifechurchutah.com. Amen. <laughs> well, I'm so blessed to be bringing God's word this morning here at Life Church, and my prayer today is that this message would um, be a blessing to you. But above all that, I, I really pray that it challenges you. And um, because we need to be challenged in our spiritual walk on a constant basis. You know, if you go to the gym and you walk on the treadmill for five minutes every day, well, good job, you, got, you went to the gym, but five minutes isn't really going to do a whole lot for you after a while. You got to keep growing. You got to take the speed up. You got to raise the roof. You got you to gotta go for it. The same is true in our spiritual walk. So I hope this challenges you this morning. And uh, I'm blessed to have my mother with us today. And I'm not going to embarrass you, Mom, because I don't know where you're sitting. She's probably hiding in the back somewhere. But if you don't like today's message, you can tell her. And uh, if you survive that, then you can tell me. So uh, we'll go from there. <laughs> my message this morning is called All the Right Pieces. Would you look to somebody next to you and say, do you have all the right pieces? You have all the right pieces. How come there's nobody sitting like in this row up front here? Is this like the splash zone? I mean, this would be too, so get ready. I mean, at SeaWorld, everybody rushes to the front because they want to get splashed on, but I guess not at church. That makes sense. You know, faith is something that we all um, walk through. Whether you're a Christian or you're still searching, Faith is a part of every single person's life. Not only is it necessary for salvation, but it's also necessary for everyday things. Some of you got up this morning and you had faith that your car would start. Now, your car didn't have to start, but, you know, if it started, then it was good to go. If it didn't, then you're probably watching online right now. But we use faith in everyday life. And so today's message is really a faith message. Sure, it's titled All the Right Pieces, and I'm going to get into that in just a second. But do you have faith? Do you have the faith in God to trust him in the things that he's promised you, in the vision that he's put out for your life? And how big is that faith? As we talk about all the right pieces... Do you have the right pieces to live out your faith? Do you have the right pieces to make the right choices, to do the right things? Do you have what it takes to live out your faith? Now, my kids love Legos. And in case you live in a bubble that you don't know what a Lego is, let me break it down for you like this. A Lego is a little plastic brick that if left on the floor, in the middle of the night while you're trying to find the bathroom, should you step on this brick, it will make you scream and want to kill your kids. <laughs> My kids love Legos, and, and as, a, as a dad, I love Legos too. I'm a big kid. Um, and uh, it's just a fun thing that we do when it's a rainy day and we can't go outside or 
you know, if the kids are, you know, watching too much TV or too much iPads or technology, we're like, no, that's enough. You're going to play with Legos. You're going to challenge your mind. You're going to build something creative, and you're going to have fun. And they do. They, they'll, play, they'll play with Legos for hours. Now, back in my day, Legos were just simple. It was like a couple different size of bricks, different colors, and pretty much the only thing you could build out of them was a house or a, blo or a block. Or, you know, they weren't very creative. You could do some creative things with it, but it was, for the most part, it was what you got. You got, you know, bricks and you built stuff with it. But nowadays, Legos are so just much more than just simple bricks. They come in these sets that are just amazing. They're mind-blowing. If you've ever gone into a Lego store, this is what it looks like. And you can see all the different kinds of Legos that are out there. Now, my kids go nuts in these places because they're like, oh, I love that. I love this. And they're themed now. So like right now, Star Wars is all over the place. And my kids are like all about Star Wars. And so they want the Star Wars Legos and the Star Wars sets, and, and uh, they want to build them. But the problem is my kids don't really want to build them. They want Dad to build them the picture that they see. <laughs> and that can be a very hard thing for their dad to do. Just this last Christmas, one of the grandmothers who will remain anonymous, the mother-in-law, She uh, was giving our children the desires of their heart, and she got them a big Lego set. And they were so excited. They're like, like, Dad, let's put this together. It's Christmas. You know, we had just gotten stuff done. It's starting to get late. It's about 7 o'clock. And I was like, okay, let's go downstairs and let's put it together. So I, I open the box, and I pour. And there's thousands of these little pieces. They're not just bricks. They're like little round ones and and skinny ones and long ones and little tiny blocks that you could choke on. And I, I'm thinking, okay, this is a little overwhelming. But my kids were excited, so after I pour them out, they, they, they're grabbing it because they want to try to help. And I'm like, no, you got to give that one back. I need that one for this. And so I, I would be lost. I wouldn't, if I just had the picture and the pieces, I, I couldn't have done it. I couldn't have put it together. But luckily... I had the manual. As you can see, this is like, <laughs> this is probably the equivalent to the New Testament. <laughs> 122 pages worth of instructions on how to build this set. So I got to work. It was tiring. It was exhausting. My kids had the audacity to fall asleep in the middle of it, got it together, it was kind of cool, I set it up on the desk downstairs, and I was like, in the morning, they're going to enjoy this, they're going to get up, and they're going to be like, yeah, dad, you're the coolest, you built this thing for us, and so they get up in the morning, they go downstairs, and I'm like, all right, I'm going to go get my coffee, I go get my coffee, I come downstairs to enjoy it with them, and it's already in pieces, and then they have the goal to say, hey, dad, will you fix it? No, I'm not fixing it. Those are, now they're free pieces. You can build whatever you want. Your imagination is limitless. <laughs> but my only saving grace was this instruction manual. And it still took me three hours. It took a long time.
I want you to understand something, church. Life can often seem like all the wrong pieces. It can seem like a bunch of misorganized, complicated bricks full of overwhelming uncertainty. You can see the promise of God. You can hear the, about the promise of God here at church. You can read about the promise of God in his word. And you can see what the picture looks like on the box. And it can be exciting. If our goal is eternity, that's exciting, right? If you're not excited about it, then get excited. But then instead of receiving the picture on the box... God gives you a peace. That can be a little frustrating sometimes. We live in such a ready-now culture, and we try to take the same approach to our faith in God. You know, I might have been naive when I was a young man, but when I gave my heart to Jesus, and then I went back out into the world, and some things didn't change right away for me, it was a little bit frustrating. I felt like I needed to get saved all over again, so I'd go back to church. Who wants to give their life to Christ? I do again. I do again. I do again. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, but I didn't really understand how salvation worked. It's not just a one-and-done thing. It's a piece that attaches to another piece, that attaches to another piece, that keeps growing and expanding. See, God wants to build something in you, not for you. That's good. You should write that down. I don't, sometimes I get wisdom that doesn't make sense. It's rare, let me tell you. But he wants to build something in you. Open up your Bibles today to Genesis chapter 37 or your, or your smartphones. I want you to... I want you to be able to study this at home as well. It's the story of Joseph. And uh, it's, it's one of my favorite stories because it's like Joseph really, I mean, he goes from having this big dream that God gives him. He sees the picture on the box. And then he, he goes through probably the worst circumstances that anybody could go through. And yet what happens at the end of his story he gets the picture of the, of the box. It's the process. So verse 37, Jacob lived in a land where his father had stayed, the land of Canaan. This is the account of Jacob's family line. Joseph, a young man of 17, was tending the flocks with his brothers. Joseph was one of the young guys. He had 10 older brothers, one younger brother, and maybe a sister. We're not quite sure on that. The Bible doesn't directly lay that out. But he came from a big family. It wasn't quite 19 kids and counting, but it was, it was a lot of kids. And if you have siblings, you know that you don't always get along with siblings. Amen? Even when you're an adult, you don't always get along with your siblings. But here's Joseph. He's the younger guy. Now, I don't know how it was in your family, but in my family, if you were the oldest, you were in charge, kind of. At least you thought you were. The younger one, they're, they're like, no, you're not. Mom's in charge or, or, or whatever. But Joseph began to have some dreams. Let's jump down to verse 3. Now, Israel loved Joseph more than any of 
his other sons because he had been born to him in his old age. And he made a robe for him. When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. Now, these are the brothers' perception. They're like, okay, dad's got a favorite, and it's Joseph. And so that was enough to bother them right off the bat. But the fact that their dad gave them a jacket really made them mad. <laughs> They're like, dad never gave me a jacket. <laughs> I can remember buying my first car. My dad helped me do it. He, he co-signed and everything, paid for it myself, paid it off really fast. It's my first car. And then here comes my sister, and I got a different car. And then my dad's like, well, why don't we just give your car to your sister? And I'm like, I worked for that car. she got to work for that car, too. And she did a, li a little bit. You know, I bought it for like $4,000. She paid like $1,200. And, and I only had it for a couple of years. And so, you know, I can understand how Joseph's brothers felt a little bit. Like, I didn't get a jacket. I didn't get a $1,200 car. And, you know, Joseph was probably a little arrogant or a little naive at the time. A little spoiled, daddy's boy. And he decides that, hey, I, I'm having some cool dreams. God's doing some cool stuff in my life. I'm going to share them with my brothers because it involves them. They need to hear this stuff. So he gathers the family around the breakfast table. You know, they're there with their, you know, Pop-Tarts or whatever they're eating back then. Hebrew style. And he says, hey, in verse 6, he goes, hey, guys, I had this dream. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaf, and I don't know what a sheaf is, but I'm sure if you're a farmer, you know what it is, rose and stood upright while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. Now, I don't know about you, but if my little sister came up to me and said, hey, I had a dream that you were bowing down to me. It was awesome. <laughs> I would not have some nice words for her. But Joseph, he's probably not the smartest guy. Remember, he's 17 years old. How many of you had it all figured out at 17? One or two? <laughs> Good for you. And he's a little, he's a little naive, and so he, you know what? His brothers are getting angry with him. They're, they're not really liking being around him. He's like, this little punk, he thinks he, he's special and stuff like that. And then what, what does he do? He has more dreams. He starts telling his brothers, and they're, they're the, the same thing. Hey, guys, uh, by the way, we, I had a dream about the universe and there's stars and, and all the other stars came and they bowed down to, to, to my star. And it was you guys. I'm sure his brothers were just sitting there like, I, I want to kill you. In fact, they were. And they had this, this plot and this idea. They said, we're going to kill him. And then they kind of had a change of heart. And they said, well, that's a little harsh. So why don't we just uh, get rid of him? Let's sell him into slavery. Let's get him out of the way. Let's tell Daddy died. And we're done with him. We don't have to put up with him anymore. They sell him to uh, a caravan that goes to Egypt. He gets purchased by a man by the name of Potiphar. 
Potiphar starts getting blessed because Joseph is in his house. He starts promoting Joseph. He's starting to take over the house and the responsibilities. Things are good. Joseph, you know, he wasn't expecting the whole slavery thing, but God's starting to turn some things around. He's, he's starting to, you know, make a name for himself. And then what, is ha what happens? Potiphar's woman gets a little lustful. And she tries to seduce Joseph. Well, Joseph was a man of integrity. He rejects it. He runs away from it. But she lies about it anyway. Goes to Potiphar. Says, hey, this, this guy you hired that you think all, all that, he tried, to, he tried to do stuff to me. So Joseph goes to prison. How do you go from seeing a big dream of God putting you in a position to where people are, are bowing down to you to prison. It's quite the contrast, right? So Joseph, you know the story. He gets locked up with a couple guys, and they both have dreams. He interprets the dream. And uh, one of them gets good news. He's like, yeah, in three days, you're going to be restored. God's going to put you right back where you were. The other guy is like, yeah, I got some bad news for you. In three days, you're going to die. Sorry. But he looks to the other guy and he says, hey, by the way, when you get restored, remember me. Because nobody remembers me. I'm down here. And so what does the guy do? He forgets. <laughs> he forgets about Joseph. And so he sits down there for two years. Until finally the king is having some, or the pharaoh is having some dreams, and he doesn't know what it means. And then all of a sudden... Brother man's like, oh, hey, I got a guy. He's in prison, and he can help you out. Sure enough, he comes out. He's able to interpret the dream for Pharaoh, and Pharaoh promotes him to second over the kingdom, over the empire. So all of a sudden, we go from snot-nosed kid, slave, prisoner, to second over the land. And all of a sudden, these pieces that God started putting in Joseph's life start to make sense a little bit. God starts helping him out. He starts putting the pieces together. And then you know the rest of the story. Famine hits, but Egypt was saved because Joseph interpreted the dream that God was, that, that they could be sustained if they save up. And what do they do? They benefit the rest of the countries around them. And who comes and bows before Joseph? His brothers. But it wasn't a, an arrogant thing. It was out of respect. Because he was able to save them and their country and their, their families and, and all that. See, sometimes I want you to understand something. Sometimes your dreams can seem a million miles away. You have no idea how to build it, no idea how to make it happen. But I want you to understand something. Not only will God give you the right pieces, but he has also included the instruction manual. He's also given you what you need to be successful in life. It doesn't mean that it's not going to be hard. It doesn't mean that it's all going to be easy. But what it does mean is that you have the tool to make it, to build it, to make it happen. The first thing you must realize is 
your picture will line up with the instructions. I don't know what your dreams are. I don't know what God has spoken to you. You may be here this morning saying, I just want to overcome this addiction that's in my life. And I need God's help. And it hasn't happened yet. You know, as a young man, I can remember developing a filthy mouth uh, when I was about 12 years old. Because all the cool kids were doing it at school. Sorry, Mom, I don't think you know this story. I asked God to forgive me, so I'm good. I'm covered. But I can remember not wanting to do that. I got to a certain point in my faith, my walk, I was like, God, I need you to take this from me. Because anything happened to me, I mean, automatically it was this word or that word pop into my mouth. And it was just so fast. Boom, boom. And it took time. I had to sacrifice that to God for six months every day. Until one day I didn't even realize I wasn't doing it anymore. God had taken it from me. See, I don't know what God has put in your life. I don't know what dreams or, or pictures that he's put in your life. I don't know if he's called you to ministry. I don't know if he's called you to missions. I don't know if he's called you to reach your family. But he's included the instruction manual to help you out to get you through. And the picture will always line up with his word. Several years ago, we had a young lady here that, uh, that approached pastor and uh, said, hey, God's calling me to this man over here. It's not a Christian, but uh, he's going to be, and God's going to use me, and so I'm going to move in with him. And we're just going to make this happen. God's, God's in it. Pastor kind of looked at her like, are you nuts? <laughs> that goes against the instruction manual, lady. He's not going to give you a vision that doesn't line up with the instruction manual. And so be careful not to make your own visions happen. It reminds me of the uh, prophet Habakkuk and how he, um, in his day, he was looking at all the injustice going on around Israel and the other nations and the, just the junk that was happening around him. I mean, we, right now, we, we, we're living in a lot of junk here in our country ourselves, but he was crying out to God and saying, God, when are you going to do something about this? People are just mocking you. They're, they're dragging your name through the mud. They're, they're, they're perverting everything in society. And God just reminds Habakkuk, he says, hey, yo, I got this. Maybe not exactly like that. But he says in Habakkuk 2.3, he says, The vision is for a future time. It describes the end, and it will be fulfilled. If it seems slow in coming, wait patiently, for it will surely take place. It will not be delayed. So Habakkuk is crying out, God, we need help. God says, okay, here's what's going to happen. Habakkuk says, okay, but it's not happening. And God says, hold up and wait a second. I got this. Here's a piece. See, it may take a little bit, but it will get there. The second thing is building the picture takes time. I mean, for crying out loud, I thought three hours is a long time for this Lego set. God's timing is perfect, though. And you say, well, 
What's going to happen to this family member? They need to know Christ right now. Yes, they do need to know Christ right now, but it's going to be in Christ's timing, his perfect timing, not yours. So what do you do? You pray for him. You get on your knees. You cry out for him. Colossians 2, 6 through 7 says, And now just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down deep in him and let your lives be what? Built. Turn to your neighbor and say built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in truth and you were t- the truth that you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. You know, in marriage counseling, I try to get couples to understand that the first year of marriage is hard because literally it's two separate people becoming one person. Two separate people with their own foundations that they've already built becoming one foundation. And foundations take time. I don't know if you've ever worked in the construction industry before, but foundations take time and you have to get it right because if you don't get it right then everything that's built on it comes crashing down at some point. And and so I try to get couples to understand that in marriage, you have to build that foundation in year one. And it's going to be hard. You're going to fight. You're going to argue. You're not going to get along all the time. I can remember almost 11 years ago, getting married and then seven days later, moving my wife to Utah with no family, no friends, Just a dream and a calling. Now, my wife trusts God. I don't don't know if she had learned to trust me quite at that point. She's like, you're crazy. We've got no support here. And she would sit in our apartment for the first couple months, and she would be bored. I mean, the house was clean all the time. but, But I would come home, and it would just start. The, the nitpicking and the, the arguing. And, and you know what it caused us to do? We didn't have anybody to run to. Say, oh man, my wife, is, she's just so hard. Or my husband, he's just such a bonehead. We had to learn to build that foundation of communication right away. Our relationship with God is exactly the same way. We've got to start building that foundation. And once that foundation is built, we keep building on top of it. And when does it get finished? It gets finished when we go stand before his throne. That's the finished product. See, sometimes it takes time for your healing to happen. Sometimes it's instant. It's instant. Sometimes it takes time. Sometimes it takes time for your kids to come into a a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Sometimes it takes time for those blessings God's promised you to come into fruition. Sometimes it's a process. But that process is helping you build into that vision that God has given you for your life. And finally, don't forget to look how far you've come. Now, I'm not talking about living in the past. But I'm talking about looking back every once in a while, taking a step back and looking at what God did for your life, has been doing for your life, and is going to do for your life. See, some of you have already forgotten what Jesus has already done for you. 
I believe the number one reason why people walk away from Jesus and church and all that is because they have forgotten what the cross has done for them. Sure, we can get hurt at church and we can get hurt by Christians and we can get hurt by faith and all those things, but the cross is what sets you free. It's what washed away your sins. And they forget that. They forget to look back at what started it all, what changed their life, what, what began to build a new work in them. And it's funny, though. I mean, we can look at the picture, and, and we, we, we see this, this, this confusing thing up here, but if we just take a step back, it starts getting a little bit clearer. And then if we take another step back, we can kind of see a little bit more. And if we take another step back, we can see what God has done for all of us, that he saved us and he's done a new work on us so that we can live boldly for him in this world. Are you awake? Remember the wonders he has performed, his miracles, and the rulings he has given. Psalms 105.5. Remember. It's important to remember what God has done. You know, it's funny, when I get frustrated or when life is kind of kicking me down, I remember the fact that Jesus has healed me of Crohn's disease. Does that mean that I don't get sick? No, I get sick all the time with other things, but there's that healing there. I remember the time when, when I was lying on the floor crying because my life made no sense and feeling that love that, that Christ poured over me. I remember those times. And it's important to remember those times so that we can keep focused on the big picture. Amen. Would you stand with me? And This is Pastor Eric. Thanks so much for checking out our Life Church podcast. We pray that it's a blessing to you. For more information about Life Church, check us out at lifechurchutah.com.